Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. We'll turn to Romans chapter 6. We'll pick up where we left off. Hallelujah. Alrighty. Everybody say this. Thank God that I'm in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things are new for me. Say, he that knew no sin was made sin for me. Because of that, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Thank you, Lord. I have right standing with the Father just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. I'm an heir and a joint heir with Christ. Hallelujah. Well, if you knew that, you'd, we'd go home blessed already. Amen. Now, we're going to wind this up. We're talking about, I want to get past this flesh thing. I keep hanging up somewhere in it. So we're going. Last week we talked about, now we've progressed into our teaching on redemption to the point that we're in the, we're in the letters to the church, pretty deep into them. And this is not the milk of the Word of God. This is the meat of the Word of God. These are the areas. So listen, if you hear things or, 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 or uh, uh, you know, things that you think, well, you know, how can this be or that? I've always taken it like this. When I hear things from the Word of God that I just, you know, it's just not in my understanding yet, I don't, I don't reject them. I kind of let them, I kind of let them just settle in meditate on them, think about them. I mean, it's tough for people who've called themselves poor old sinners saved by grace their whole life to start calling themselves the righteousness of God in Christ. It's easy for man to see himself in the darkness of the fall. It's an effort to see yourself in the light of redemption. You got, you got to work at it. I said you got to, because everything about you will tell you just your flesh, your mind, your, your, your lot in life, whatever. You, it'll, it'll, just, it'll say just the opposite, but then you've got you've to stand in faith and say, no, 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 that may, what, that, that may be, be what it looks like, but that's not the way it is. It may have come, but it's come to pass. Subject to change, amen? Temporal. And you begin to realize also, well, this is an awesome revelation, <laughs> that God's not going to do anything for you. I think that's something that people exhaust a lot of faith on is they get on their knees and cry out for God to change things when God says, mine changing nothing. If you study the scripture, you'll see that he has sat down in his throne. His son is seated at his right hand, denoting to us that they're finished. And in order to prove that they're finished, they sent forth the third part of who they are, the Holy Ghost, to live and abide on the inside of us as the down payment of the glory that's going to come into our lives. My goodness. You ought to be excited about being born again. Amen? So as we begin to study and get into these, these, these deep, deeper truths, we begin to see the reality of what I like to call the great exchange. That's what redemption is, the great exchange. God took everything that was wrong with us and gave us everything that's right with him. And man, you talk about a necessity for us to live in the light of that. Now is the time to do it. Amen. So in this, this, this scripture in, in Romans 6, which I've spent so much time in it and, and spent a lot of time over the years studying it, meditating on it, uh, 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 preaching it. Beginning there again in verse, let me find it here. In verse uh, 19, 18 or 19, what is that? I can't tell. 19. 
19, chapter 6 of the book of Romans, verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. Now notice this. For as ye have yielded yourself members, servants to uncleanness, and iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield yourselves, yield, yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. Now let me read that again. I'll read a little slower. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity, a better word, because of the weakness of your flesh. Now you got that. So, so Paul, in a spiritual light, is defining our flesh as what? Weak. Weakness of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members. Now that's, that's very simple. Members are basically the things of your flesh or body that help you to function. You function less effectively as you begin to get rid of members. Eyes, hearing, fingers, hands, arms, legs. You start losing them. You start losing your effectiveness as a human being. Amen? Now, you know, just generally speaking. I know there's people that have done great things that have been handicapped, but we're just talking about the body, the physical body in general. Amen? So, because of the weakness of your flesh, now notice this, for as ye have yielded your members, your feet, your legs, your arms, your hands, your eyes, your ears, all of your senses, you did what? Yielded. If I say yielded. yielded. Now, this yielding is a natural act. This yielding of the flesh to sin is a natural act or the natural act of the human being. The only defense the human being has to regulate it is willpower that God has left, which is the uniqueness of us as a species having a will, a personal will. Now, let me just help you with that a minute. That's why we need freedom. Do you understand that? It's not just some national cry, oh, we're Americans, we need freedom. No, we need freedom because we're made in the likeness and image of God. Amen. We're created to be free. So in, in, that, in that light or in that understanding, knowing this, that when we fell into, into bondage, one of the first things that went into bondage was our flesh, our bodies. And then the inside changed, the, the iniquity. And all of a sudden, these impulses begin to come out of the inside into the mind and into the flesh of the human being. Immediately, we see it right there in the book of Genesis where they begin to reject the God that created them, following after the iniquity that had moved in, motivating them to hide from God and cover themselves with whatever creation offered them. So your flesh will do that. And your flesh... I've said this before, I hope you get, if you've ever been, if you've ever had a, a, a habit or an addiction, then you understand the power of your flesh to void common sense and follow after its own appetites. Amen. I know the, uh, you know, we always, people say, we all preach against smoking or drinking. We don't preach against any of that. We preach for Jesus. We don't preach against something. We preach for something. But I know what it's like to, to, you know, I never really had a bad uh, tobacco habit, cigarette habit. I, I may have smoked a, at, at, at its peak, uh, you know, a pack a day. But I used to dip Copenhagen snuff when I was a rodeo cowboy. That stuff is nasty. I remember the first time I dipped it, I thought I was going to pass out. I remember the first cigarette I smoked. 
It was a Winston. I was a Winston. We had Marlboro smokers and Winston smokers back in those days. Amen. And it was a Winston. And you know what I did? It almost made me sick. I coughed and hacked and choked. My physical body was telling me, don't do that. I remember the first beer I drank. I thought I got a rotten one. I thought, my God, of all the beers in that ice chest, I done pulled the rotten one out, you know? (laughs) Nothing about any of that is inviting to the flesh. That's why your flesh rejected it. So what force entered into you that that, that caused you to end up being a a four-pack-a-day smoker? Well, nothing entered into you. It was I come out of you. It was your it was your it was your iniquity that's in you, where you gave your willpower over to your iniquity, and your iniquity said, "Fine, I show what I'll do with your willpower. I'll make it null and void." See, that's how the devil works. That's what he does. Amen. But now, notice what this says. This is this is so cool. It says. For as ye yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity. Now, here we go. Everybody, when you read that top part, everybody's like, oh, yeah, amen, brother. Oh, yeah. You know, they're all holy and everything. You know, like, but then you get this next part. The next part, yeah, this is where people start getting a little nervous. It says, for as ye yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness and to iniquity, that motivation to sin, unto iniquity, that means the more you yield to it, the worse it gets. Even so now, yield your, the same thing. Your feet, your eyes, your ears, your hands. Every part of your physical being, do what? Yield it. Now see the key word here is yield. What you yield to, you'll serve. What you yield to, you'll serve. I've always been fascinated for, for many, many years watching people try to serve God. It's really funny. Because they're kind of like trying to like, well, I want to serve God, but you know, I want to still kind of be God too. Amen. I still kind of, I want me some shots. I want to call some shots. I want everybody to see how smart I am. But what happens is many times is you end up overplaying your hand and getting yourself in trouble because the flesh has appetites in it that sometimes it's not till you get saved till you found out you had an appetite for that. Oh, I better get off of that. I can tell that didn't land too good. So here it says, as you, so, you know, back in the day, you know, you'd go out Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night. It's just a rolling party everywhere you go. What you're going to do? Smoking dope, taking pills, drinking, having a great time, yielding yourself. You know, you go to the, you go to the disco. You can't dance, but you dance all night. You go to the karaoke bar. You can't sing, but you sing all night, you know. I mean, you know, big, strong, strapping guys, they go to the bar, drink, and they cry on their beer. Little guys, they want to fight, whip everybody. I'll kill you, I'll kill you, I'll cut you, I'll kill you. You know what I mean? You're like, what in the world's going on here? People yielding to their flesh. They say, well, everybody, the world's going crazy. People are shooting each other. Yeah, they're yielding to their flesh. But then the Bible says, as you, you know, what kind of sinner were you? Man, I was a good one. You didn't have to guess. You just took a look at me and said, nah, 
ain't nothing righteous about that boy. <laughs> I don't care who his daddy is. I don't care who his mama is. He looks like hell. That doesn't mean you look bad. Amen? Well, I was yielding everything. But then when I got right with God, I figured after I read this scripture, the Bible says in the, in the same intensity. Well, let's say it like this. This may help your flesh a little. With the same gusto, you live for the devil. You're going to have to live for God. See, a lot of people don't realize this is tied to redemptive thinking. I can always tell redemptive thinking people when the Holy Ghost starts to move. You say, well, they start to move. Last days of a wonderful minister that we knew well, Kenneth E. Hagin. God was stirring and moving very strongly, and people were really getting blessed by God. There's, If you want to look at some of the services, there's one on the Internet called uh, When the Holy Ghost Gets to Moving. You you come on there, there's about a 5,000-member church and everybody's dressed in nice suits and ties and this beautiful band is up there singing and worshiping God. And we'll just fast forward it about 15 minutes and it's just bedlam breaks out and, and people are crawling on the floor and all this kind of stuff. People are like, what in the world's going on there? People are yielding to the Holy Ghost and overriding their own pride and willpower by as they used to yield themselves to alcohol and drugs and all that other stuff, now they're yielding to impulse of righteousness from the Holy Ghost and what does he do? He breaks you out of the dimension of your character and the first thing he'll do is empower you to worship and praise. Yeah. Our, our friend Mark Bazzi, our friend of mine told me, he won't get mad, but, but a friend of mine told me a story about him because Mark used to always say, you never catch me dancing in the Holy Ghost like that. And so he said they were sitting at a camp meeting where there was about 30,000 people and he, he was sitting across the auditorium and he could see Pastor Mark and Pastor Janet right across the, right across the way. So Brother Hagin got up and was teaching on this scripture, as you yielded your members, as you yield. And he's the kind of guy, he starts getting off on something. He'll just wear you out, as you yielded your members, as you, and somebody will figure that out eventually and do the math and they'll yield their members, whoa, and take off. He said, man, the Holy Ghost hit that place. 30,000 people were dancing and he looked across and there's Mark and Janet over there just dancing away in the spirit of God. That's because they got to a place by the word in which they were willing to what? Yield their members See, you think about everything that you used to sin with. I mean, you sit, you, you, your mind, your eyes, your ears, your intellect, your feet, you know, it pushed on the accelerator, your hand, your, you, you found the directions to the dope dealer, the beer joint, everything that you did, or if you were just, you know, ambitious and full of greed and ego, all of that in your flesh. You're training your flesh with the iniquity that's on the inside. Then you get born again and, and righteousness moves in, but your flesh and your soul is still trained by all that iniquity. So you've got churches full of people who if you even say amen, they think that's unreverent. Amen? I tell you, I, I, I got a revelation at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem in 1985. And, you know, you think, well, you know, people don't know, know what I know. I mean, you know, I just gotten out of Bible school. I just done a meeting in Bethlehem, got to preach the graduation service at the, at the uh, Bethlehem Bible College, all this kind of stuff. And I went to the Wailing Wall on, on, the, on the beginning of the Sabbath on a Friday afternoon, and the rabbinical school came out there. 
Well, these are all Hasidic Jews with the hats and the, the curls. And there are these, these guys are all training to be rabbis. There's probably 150 of them. And they made a circle big as this church. And they started doing this dance and going back and forth. And they started singing this song in Hebrew. And I'm telling you, I'm standing there and the glory of God comes down on that place. I mean, absolutely the glory of God. They knew it. They could tell. They knew what it was. You say, well, how can you say that? They're not born again. See, you don't understand many times. God is so much bigger and so much smarter and doing so much more than we know. Amen? And God just wants us to know that sin trained you, trained you like a, like a, like a circus act, like a monkey circus act. Sin trained you. And you were on that string, and then Jesus cut those strings of iniquity, and now you're left with that flesh. And a lot of people don't realize that you're yielding of your flesh to the righteousness on the inside of you. And I like to say it like this. A lot of people think, well, that's some extreme thing, dancing. And no, that's what you end up doing. But it starts with you using your eyes to read the Bible instead of rolling joints or robbing someone on the Internet. You use your feet to take you to church or to witness or on the missions trip or to a job. Why'd we say that? <laughs> Amen? You use, your, you, use your, you use your breath to worship God. There's so much about your flesh that if you will just take a moment and control it, you'll see that God has given you an arsenal of weapons to control your flesh with. Yes, you can sleep without a machine. You can lose weight without a diet. <gasps> Come on, church. You can be healed without medical treatment. How far you want to go. How deep you want to get into it. See, that, that's the key. God opens this big, huge door and says, Come on in. Come on in. And people, they walk a couple of steps in and they turn around and they look back out of what they came out of. Think there's anything else there that we missed? No, you didn't miss nothing. Everything's this way. Amen. Oh, I still got a couple of minutes. You liking this? So with that in mind, we begin to understand the power God has put on the inside of you. Now, last week we explained there are three words you need to become familiar with. Does anybody remember those three words? If you're going to have an understanding of redemption, you're going to have to understand substitution, identification, and union. Amen? Now, Jesus came as our substitute. His substitutionary sacrifice purchased our redemption, which includes... Not just the forgiveness of sin. Listen, when you got born again, your sins were not forgiven. They were remitted. Amen. Sins that are remitted are removed from existence with their effect. Amen. Sins that are forgiven, it's just like being forgiven in a court trial or a, or a, or a you know, you're forgiven. The debt has been reckoned already paid you're forgiven if we sin we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ the righteous amen 
If we confess our sins unto him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sin and, and cleanse us of all. Around. That scripture's not for the world. That scripture's for the little children that John's writing to. That's us. Hallelujah. So here's this awesome, these three words, this, this trinity of words, the substitution of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just think about everything that was wrong with you. He took it and then he suffered your punishment as a substitute. That's how he took them. Can you imagine that? I mean, some quick death, maybe somebody might, yeah, okay, you know, if it's a worthy cause. But to suffer at tortures, actually six, over a six-hour long torture before you die? And you're not, just, you're not just taking on some physical pain, you're taking on the sin of the world, of the whole world. I've heard that, that phrase many times in different movies and things and books that I've read where someone, one character would say to another, you can't save the world, but there's one you can say that to who saved the world. That was Jesus. So he was our substitute. His identification, you say, how is that relevant? He got in a human body. God got in a human body. God got in a human earth suit. That gave him license, legal right to be on the earth. Without it, you can't be on the earth. He became man. Amen. Why? Because of the law of identification. Because of the law of identification. He identified with humanity. See, let me help you real quick. We're teaching on redemption, so i got time to do this. God identified with us in creation, and it was universal. Jesus identified with us in redemption, and it's personal. The one man caused the world to fall into sin and death. Gave God the right to use one man to redeem us. You know, Pastor, I don't understand. That one man, Adam, he messed me up so bad. I'm so messed up because of him. I'm telling you all this junk in my life. But see, then God says, but I've given one man who made a sacrifice for you and made a deposit of redemption for you that no matter what you got in because of your first birth, it ain't nothing compared to what God's done for you in the new birth. And then everybody, they start talking about their family. My family, my family's a bunch of drunks. My family, no, no. Whatever it was that was in your family, physical, mental, or whatever, you're not in that family anymore. You say, well, come on, that's just some theological view. No, it's not. It's the reality of what the Word of God says and what God calls us. Remember what he said to Mary Magdalene right there at that tomb? He said, go tell them, my father and your father. Oh, my goodness. Now God's back in the family business. And then our union, one with him. One with him. Now in closing, real quick, I got nine minutes. Go to Ephesians 2 real quick. Everybody say one with him. Say one with him. Now this is a key. If, you, if in your mind and in your mind's eye, in your heart, through your confession and your action, you see yourself as one with him. You, you, have found, you have found the essence of faith right there. So I was looking for faith for money. No, 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 no. You don't understand that. 
When you begin to see yourself as one with him, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's why the word can say, you're not your own. You're bought, what? With a price. The price of life for a life. Amen. But when you understand that, then you begin to understand my union. For we are what? Heirs and joint heirs with Christ. That, that is so profound. People say that. Amen. But you don't realize what that is saying. Now, now Ephesians, real quick. Ephesians chapter 1. Last part of that, that wonderful prayer there. We know that prayer so well. I think it begins in verse 15. But go down, go down to verse, go down to verse, uh, go down to verse 19. This is speaking of Jesus, and because we're in Christ, it's speaking of our own victory. What is the exceeding greatness of his power? Everybody say his power. Now notice, his power to, everybody say to, to usward who believe. So he's talking about the demonstration of the resurrection power of God, which was a demonstration to the devil? No. He experienced it. He experienced it. He was defeated. I said he experienced it. He was defeated. Amen? But what it does, now notice this again. What is the exceeding greatness of his power? To us word. God is wanting to say, Look here. You, you ever seen a distraction before? I've been watching this distraction here the last couple of weeks of this murder trial going on. And, and I wonder what's going on for them to put that on hour after hour after hour of some poor deranged guy high on drugs killing his family. Well, what are they doing? What are they saying? Don't look over here. No, don't look over here. Look over here. That's, that's what distraction is. Amen. So, so God is trying to say, no, 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 no. Look, look here. Look at the resurrection. Look at the resurrection. Because it's the demonstration of my power to who? To us, word, who believe. So God is saying, this is the way it works. This is the way it works. It works so well that even one day, just like my son came out of the tomb and put on a glorified body, you will either rise from the dead or you will come up in a rapture and put on a body that's glorified. We'll never die. We'll never age. And it'll be the body you'll have to have to stand in the presence of God. Amen? Whoa. Demonstrate. See, see, we, th we see the woman with the issue of bloodhead. Praise God for that. We see, we see 10 lepers of praise. But that's just a demonstration. The demonstration is what? All of the weight. Now think of this. All of the weight of all of the sin, of all of the world, all of the sickness, all of the addiction, all of the depravity, everything that makes man war against himself and others, all of the hate, all of the prejudice, every evil, rotten, dark, nasty thing that, human, that the human nature would accommodate from a demonic force like Lucifer, Satan. You got the picture? He took it on himself. Then he took it to the cross and he died with it. And when he died with it, because he's God, he was able to use the power of that death to separate that from what? From the human being that he was. And when he was separated from that through death, then God says, that's my son down there in hell. 
And the Bible says that spirit went into the region of the damned and raised up Jesus. And that explosion of light in the darkest region of the universe raised our Savior, Jesus, from the dead. But when it did, it raised you and you and me and Jeff and every one of us in the same way. And God is saying, look at that. Because if you look at that, your light bill doesn't look so big. If you look at that, the cancer report doesn't look so big. If you look at that, then, th then that other thing doesn't look so big. And this other thing, and that, that thing in front of you trying to stop you from ministry, and that thing in your business doesn't look so big when you're looking at the demonstration of power that was given toward usward who believe because he was your substitute. You are identified with him and in that resurrection power, you are in union with him. You like that? Now listen, hold on, we're almost finished. This is what it says. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, sat him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above. All principality, power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is to be named in this world and that which is to come, and has put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth it all in all. Now, you ready? Ready? Everybody say identification. Say identification. Say one more time. First two words of chapter two are what? And a conjunction. You, a pronoun. What's God doing? He's saying, look at my son Jesus. Look at my son Jesus. Look at my son Jesus. You want to see some power? I raised him from the dead. You want to see some power? He overcame everything on the earth that man could ever be put in bondage to. You want to see some power? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's, he, he's far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, that which is to come. I've, I've made him have over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth it all in all. You know what he's saying there? This is just a little rabbit trail. He's saying the fullness of him, of Christ, that does what? Filleth it all in all. So this is what he's saying. See, you ready? See, churches will scream at this. No, no, you're a heretic. This is what he's saying. Study it. This is what he's saying. Jesus is not the corporate head of the church. People go, oh, no. The corporate head of the United States of America right now is a President Joe Biden. The corporate head of different corporations go by different names. But they're just corporate heads of governments or businesses. But Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. And yeah, he does take corporate responsibility, but he is the organic head of the church. Which is what? His body. What kind of body does he have? He has a human body. It's been glorified, spiritualized, delivered, but he still has a human body. <laughs> I said he still has a human body. So he says all of this about Jesus, and then he takes a conjunction which connects two thoughts and makes them one and puts a pronoun there, which means it's your decision whether you ever put your name in there or not. So years ago, I put my name in there. So for me, it reads like this. And me, or and Rusty, hath he quickened, 
who was dead in trespasses and sins, where in times past I walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. I'm just doing my own thing. Honey, you're a puppet on a string. You are. That's all sin is, is the strings the devil uses to play you in your life. Now notice what it says. Among whom we all had our conversation, our lifestyle stuff in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, nature, children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath. What do we say about that? Hath, redemptive mindset, guys. It's already happened. He's already done it. Hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And hath risen us up together and made us sit together in heavenly place in Christ. Now listen, he is describing the place in which Jesus Christ himself sits and reigns and rules over the universe. Hebrews 1 tells us that. He upholds, maintains, propels, and guides the entire universe by His mighty word of power. He does that from the very throne room of God, sitting, the Father being in the middle, Jesus at His right hand, the place of authority, power, and dominion in the universe. And God says... And you who were dead in sins and trespasses, God hath what? Quickened or made you alive together with him by grace, or you say, his great love wherein he was loved. He has raised us up together, made us sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How can you be sick? How can you be broke? How can you be poor? How can you be defeated? Hallelujah. You can't be. You can't be defeated. You can't fall or fail. Amen. You say, well, you're just talking about some kind, some kind of perfect life. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I'm talking about a life in which you finally have a godly choice. Where you can say no to the sin, no to the disease, no to whatever it is that's tearing your mind apart. No to whatever it is that's tearing your life apart. And actually, for the first time, experience freedom. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. If you continue in my word, then you my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So many times we've taught, we've preached, trying to get people just to respond to God because of their need. You're sick. You need to, you need to know God. You're you're, you're addicted. You need to know God. You're... Actually, the better thing to do is to say, God already knows you. He loves you. He cares about you. I remember the, an acquaintance of ours. We, we knew him pretty well back in the day. And he had three degrees, three college degrees. And he was a heroin addict. He lived in, he lived in Arizona. And he, he, he was so addicted at one point, he actually went to a church and went up in the altar call 
And when he stood in the altar call, his hair was so long, the pastor said, go get a haircut and come back and I'll pray for you. He never went back. And it just made him, made, basically he said, I became an atheist because of it. He says, I lived in, in Arizona next door to a little Hispanic Holy Ghost church. And he said, after every Sunday service, a little boy would walk out and stand on the on front of my house. And he said, I would sit there many times with no shirt on. He said, I just shot up heroin sitting there trying to, trying to just get my brain back in order. He said, boy, stop every Sunday, point at me and say, God loves you and has a plan for your life. God loves you and has a plan for your life. God loves you and has a plan for your life. He said about two months of that, he went, put on a poncho. He said, oh, that's all I had to put on. It was a poncho and an old pair of jeans. He said, I didn't even have shoes. And I walked down that aisle and gave my heart to Jesus. And that man's a powerful pastor in the United States right now. How, how can that happen? That's totally impossible. Because God delights in doing things like that. That's the way he is. If you'll just figure out your life without God is not worth living. It's really not. You say, why? Because it only ends in death and destruction. You can live in the penthouse, eat the best, drive the best, be married to the best, die and go to hell. Life's for naught. But you can fight life through. Hallelujah. And at the end, say, I'm more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. And no matter how hard your fights are or how many setbacks you had or what has happened in life, because you've walked close to Him and you recognize that divine substitution in which He identified with you so that you could be in union with Him. You'll never be lonely. You'll never, you'll never be afraid or you'll never fear because you don't have something. Amen. I remember one time I, I ended up in the Philippine Islands on a, on a, on a ticket without a, return, without a return ticket. And so I, I, we were not near as financially well off as we are now, so I didn't have the credit cards I have now. And this is back in 1988, 89, something like that. And so I remember going there and thinking, I, I don't have a ticket on the way back. And I had a limited amount of money. And I remember being in this conference and I'm one of the speakers. So I start giving and every time I give in the offering, somebody comes and gives me an envelope of money. And so I thought, I'm not going to ever open one of these envelopes, and I'm going to give every one of them back in the next offering. Well, when I left on that Friday afternoon to fly back to Manila, I had an offering with th that thick with Filipino pesos. It turned out to be about 900 and something dollars. I think I went in country with maybe 100. I come out with 900, trying to give my money away. But you know, here's what the, what the great, the awesome thing was. I never had a bit of fear. I had a blast, as a matter of fact. I never had a bit of fear. Had peace the whole time and actually had a tremendous amount of joy just watching God do what he does. That's exactly how God wants you to live. Even in the toughest fights of your life, you count it more precious than gold because you know the trying of your faith is something precious to God. How, why is that? Because you're his child. He's looking down and going, look at my boy. Look at my girl. He loves that. Amen. Everybody say this. Thank you, Father. I'm in Christ. Thank you, Lord. I'm not dominated by the flesh or by my soul. I'm learning to live by the Spirit. Thank you for your word. Gives me life, direction, and comfort. Thank you for your Spirit that abides and empowers. 
Thank you for Jesus, who was my substitute, who identified with me that I might be in union with him. Thank you, Jesus. As you are, so I am. Whoo, glory. As you are, so I am. As you are, so I am in this world. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Praise God. Well, stand on your feet tonight. You glad you came to church? Did you learn something? Is this helping you? Now, this ain't Sunday school. I mean, this is some stuff that takes a little, takes a little digging, a little meditation, a little... And let me just say this. Don't let your mind demand explanations for everything you hear from the Word. Because the Word of God is, is received by understanding, not by explanation. The intellect of man demands an explanation. It wants to know why 2 plus 2 is 4, why 5 and 5 is 10. And rightfully so, we educate our minds to be that way. But when it comes to spiritual things, you've got to take off all the restraint. Let God be God. You say, well, that doesn't add up. Quit doing the math. Well, how can this be? You know, I like to say it like this. I don't know how it can be. I just thank God it be. Hallelujah. Thank God it be. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Lord, how can we thank you for what you've done for us in Christ? You've made us your very own children. Adopted us into the family of God. Rights and privileges of the firstborn belong unto us. Salvation, healing, preservation, soundness, safety, and deliverance. Prosperity and blessing. It is so good and so true. Not too, be good, not too good to be true, but so good and so true. We thank you for it. For protection and safety in this dangerous world. Lord, you showed us that in the last days it would be perilous times. We're careful to pray over our travel. In the air, on these highways, in the seaways and on the railways. We're careful, Lord, to pray over the righteous labor of our hands. Lord, as we work is unto you, strengthening ourselves, depending on you for insights, ideas, and concepts of blessing. Thank you, Father, for evangelism in our hearts and souls. Let us leave tonight knowing that we are an answer to people's, people's prayer. Lord, you said in your word you've given us that would be born onto the planet, speaking of your family, that you've given us for signs and wonders in the earth today. Let us be a blessing to people, problem to the devil, a miracle in someone's life. We leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you. We love you, Lord. We leave tonight walking in love one toward another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ. You called us to be thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church, covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy God bless Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.